It's the story of a rescue. It's bigger than a rescue. It's the story of God's rescue operation for planet Earth. God no longer content to see a kingdom of darkness and hell wielding weapons of sin and death to oppress and terrorize the people he loves anymore. And the gospel, according to Mark, records God's rescue operation, the vanguard assault from heaven, led by Jesus the King, to overthrow and overtake every last ounce of territory and to rescue every last person from the grip of this kingdom of darkness that seeks to hold them at bay. So much more than just a biography. The gospel, according to Mark, is trying to tell us what this invasion looked like when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness came head to head, fighting and clashing again and again and again, neither content to rest until one was defeated. And according to Mark, Jesus continues to advance every step of the way, gaining ground, gaining people, rescuing souls, overthrowing the powers that be, and bringing people into liberation in victory. In the beginning, God made this world to be in harmony with him, and he called it very good. A place that was meant to be filled with nothing short of the life and abundance and wholeness and goodness and intimacy and joy that come from being in the presence of God and that emanate from his very being. But early in the beginning, the kingdom of darkness came in, deceiving and usurping God's kingdom and the people within it, driving a fissure and wedge between God and the creation that he loves and the people that he made in the image of his being. But God is not content to let the fallen stay fallen. And God is not a God who abandons this world, but instead chooses to come down into it. And the gospel, according to Mark, records for us these battle scenes. And he gives an invitation to everyone who hears this message to turn to his kingdom. Repent, it will say, because the kingdom of God is upon you. It's in your face. It's advancing and it's coming faster than you think. And if you're not careful, it just might pass you by. So heads up, look, turn, Turn to me. Jesus makes the invitation to every human being. Whoever you are, whatever your struggle, whatever grip of darkness is upon you, no, turn to me. For I'm here. The king, the liberator. God's holy one is here to rescue and redeem every human being. And as you hear the words from Mark unfold today. May the power 
may the vision and may the hope of his kingdom come to you today. Now let's not forget. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. What does it profit a man? Tell me to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? I tell you, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his angels. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Some of you who are standing here will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he led them up onto a high mountain where they were all alone. And there, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could ever bleach them. And there before them appeared Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Now Peter said, Rabbi, it is so good that we are here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now look, he didn't know what he was talking about. I mean, imagine being there. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared, and it enveloped them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly they looked around and there was no one there with them except for Jesus. While they were coming down the mountain, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. And so they kept it to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked Jesus, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Well, to be sure, Elijah does come first, Jesus said, and orders all things. But why, he asked, does it say that the Son of Man must 
suffer many things and be rejected. But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they have done to him whatever they wished, just as it had been written about him. And when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. But as soon as the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran up to greet him. And Jesus asked, what are you guys arguing about with them over there? And a man from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. He's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive him out. But they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation. Jesus said, how long will I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And as soon as the spirit saw Jesus, immediately he threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and began rolling around, foaming at the mouth. How long has he been like this? Jesus asked. Since childhood, his father answered, sometimes it will throw him into water or fire, to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. If I can, Jesus asked, anything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I want you to park right here for a moment. I want you to pause right here for a moment. I do believe the boy's father exclaimed, help me overcome my unbelief. More than any other character in the gospel according to Mark, I suspect that most of us identify with this man right here over all others. To be sure, there are times, aren't there, where many of us are like the crowd We're attracted to something about Jesus. We run to Jesus with a problem or need. We kind of follow him loosely, seeing what he might give us. Sometimes it speaks to us, I think. Other times, I'm quite sure many of us are like the Pharisees. 
with our own conceptions of God, our own ways of understanding how he should act and what's simply out of line for him, demanding that he conform to our way of thinking, our way of being, our way of how we think the world should operate. We find ourselves there at times, don't we? And a lot of times I feel like one of the disciples. You have this moment? I have no idea what this means. And you hear the words and they wash over you and there's something there that kind of attracts you. There's something there that gets inside of you. But you don't know how to make heads or tails of it. Or better, you don't know how to make that fit into this. You don't really get how this all comes together and you find yourself as, well, ever hearing but never perceiving, ever seeing but never understanding. You you know what I mean, right? And maybe occasionally you feel like a demon too. You see clearly and you want nothing to do with him. But more than anything, I find myself identifying with this man and I suspect it's similar for many of you here as well. You believe. You hear it and you believe. You want it. You know the possibility, but there's that part of you. There's that thing inside you. There's that side of you that just... can't grasp it, doubts it, wonders about it, finds yourself waffling between two sides in the midst of it going, I know it can be true, I hope it can be true, but, and then a thousand other scenarios play through. Have you been there? Do you know what I mean? To stand conflicted. Before Jesus, crying out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And make no mistake, this is not something that just happens for those who are, quote, weak in the faith. This is something that is a way for the strongest disciples of all. For disciples who stand on mountainsides and watch Jesus in his full glory appear before him struggling to even yet later continue to believe. It happens among those who have witnessed miracles. They've prayed and God has delivered. Things have happened that that make no logical sense and, and the salvation of God has been in it. And yet when the scenario of a similar kind or maybe a greater one comes again, you find yourself in that same place. God, if you can do anything Please help me. A prayer uttered up with a sense of hope mixed with doubt. Can you? Will you? Are you? And all the while, God looking down, going, What do you mean? Can I? Haven't you seen? Haven't you learned anything? What do you mean? Anything is possible, Jesus told that man for him who believes. Oh, Lord, I want to believe that. Oh, I do. I do believe, but God, it doesn't make sense. Help me overcome my unbelief. Make no mistake, the kingdom of God is overwhelming. 
It's staggering. It's beyond imagination. Every time someone gets a glimpse, have you caught it? Overwhelmed with wonder. It says, amazed. It will describe. Standing in a state of hopeful disbelief against all of these things occurring in their midst, all of these things being spoken to them that defy belief. But the invitation of the gospel of Mark, the invitation of Jesus, of God to you, is dare to believe. Dare to believe that what I say is true. That all things are possible with God. And there in that place, with a boy writhing on the ground, seized by a spirit so stronger than he. Beyond the ability of the disciples to cast out, stands a man face to face with the kingdom of God and Jesus looking him in the face. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Right now, just from your seats, I want you to pray with me. And I especially want to invite those of you who struggle with this very line to pray with such zeal and sincerity before the God who speaks his hope to you today. We come before you We come before you as fathers and mothers of children. We come before you as people called to areas of work and service. We come before you as people who traverse this world on a pilgrimage until your kingdom comes. Struggling against the kingdom of darkness and all of its rage yet looking face to face into your eyes the kingdom you promise and the conflict God is within us. Oh Lord, we do believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. For every person here mired in doubt that you would punch through, that you would transfigure before them, that you would show them your hand and your power and bolster their belief. For every person here suffering or standing by the side of someone who is, that they would see your cross. That the pilgrimage of your kingdom now, everything isn't figured out, even when all things aren't settled. To trust in the moment and see where it leads. Help them believe and overcome the unbelief. I pray for those who use this line as a foil, who claim disbelief as a higher road, couching it in words of integrity, 
but using it as a shield to avoid coming face to face with you. I pray you, I pray you break that shield down for those people that we love, those people maybe that I'm praying for here. That you would shake our defenses and grab hold of us. Mess up our lives, oh God, and our ways of seeing and thinking. Help them dare to believe. This we ask. And may your power and glory be shown in our midst. Amen. When Jesus saw the crowd running over to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. Come out of him, you deaf and mute spirit, Jesus said. I command you to leave him and never return. And immediately the spirit shrieked. It shook the boy so violently and it came out of him. And he looked so much like a corpse in the aftermath that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet, and he got up. And when Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples came to him privately, and they said, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? Look, guys, this kind comes out only by prayer. He said. And then they left that place. And they went through Galilee and Jesus didn't want anyone to know where he was because he was teaching his disciples. The son of man is going to be handed over to men, he said. He is going to be killed And three days later, rise again. But they didn't get this. They didn't understand it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Then they came to Capernaum. And when Jesus went into the house, he asked them, Guys, what were you arguing about on the road just then? But you know what they did? They stayed quiet. They stayed quiet because they felt really stupid. Because on the way, they had argued about which of them was the greatest. So sitting down. Jesus called the twelve to him and said, listen, whichever of you, whoever of you wants to be first, he must become the very last and the servant of all. 
And then he took a small child and had him stand among them. And gathering the, the child into his arms, he said, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. Teacher, John asked, we saw a man who was driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. No, no, don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives a cup of cold water to you in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And anyone who causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the lake a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, chop it off. It is better for you to go into life crippled than with two feet to go into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to go into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Now, salt is good. But, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves. And be at peace with each other. The beginning of the royal proclamation of Jesus the King, the divine and rightful heir to the throne.